and welcome to the Lazy Book Club podcast, the book club for those who don't want to read or leave the house. My name is Matt Gonzalez. Mmm, yes. It's David Cox. <laughs> and I'm Josh Matheson. Are you getting your P.I. Uh, yeah, ready? To, I mean, obviously, that would be kind of our, you know, ones that have paid for the uh, honour of getting to see us on video, which Matt will <laughs> tell you about in a second. Uh, so, a if if you if you're if you're the cheapskates and just listening for free, I I actually did my chin at the same time. There's no point of just doing a voice. Definitely I'm expecting not. by the last chapter of this book for you to be monocled, suit yeah, tie, moustache, crispy stash. See what I can do on the cheap. Maybe Twist I can little moustache. Yeah. Make a monocle out of a broken pair of glasses. Yeah. <laughs> well, a moustache I can literally shave the beard off. Slick so. down that hair a bit. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Deer hunter. Well. Originally, we were going to be doing A Murder is Announced, but this week we just realised that that book's actually still in copyright, so we're not allowed to do it. We thought that because some of Christie's works are out of copyright, that all of her works were out of copyright. But it turns out that she only actually died in the 70s, which means that the only books that are out of copyright are the ones that she published before 1923. So we've had to change our book selection. We are, however, still doing an Agatha Christie. We are still doing a Who Has Done This, but it's just a different Who has done this? In many ways, a murder is still going to be announced. Yes, it's true. Yeah. It's, it's just, just not the, not the title of, the of it. Exactly. <laughs> well, just do you want to tell us the title of the new book that we've now picked? Yes. And this is, in fact, um, Agatha Christie's very first novel. So it'd be great to, to experience her writing from the very beginning of her career with this novel entitled The Mysterious Affair at Styles." Now, this is also, because this is her first novel, the first introduction to her very famous detective Poirot. Yeah, now, most people will have know would know that name and know that detective. It's kind of uh, like I you think know, before we, it's, I think it's pronounced Poirot. Is it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Are you being serious? I actually don't know because I don't know how no. it's pronounced. It's Poirot, isn't it? <laughs> okay, good. It needs to be Hercule Poirot. Okay, it would be more like cool. Poirot. But okay. I wow, with a little r- 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 yeah, that, I mean, r- 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 I'll leave, yeah. The, yeah. The, leave the, accents the accents to Josh. So this is actually the first introduction to Poirot that we get by Agatha Christie as well. So it'd be very interesting to see the kind of introduction. Is I'd say that you know Poirot's kind of up there. He might not be as famous as say Sherlock Holmes, but he's definitely up there as a detective that most people will recognise and know Top most of their works. Three at least. Yeah, yeah. You know, like. What is it like? Morse, uh, Sherlock Holmes, Morse, Poirot, Holmes. Poirot, Tintin, Miss Marple. <laughs> you got to have Miss, Miss Marple, Marple in there. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's true. But Poirot, Poirot's, I think coming back to the big screens this year because uh, they're doing it. Mm. They did a Ken, Kenneth Branagh's just re- revived his Poirot. He did um, Mary on, Murder on the Orient Express a couple of years ago, and now yep. Murder on the Nile is coming out. Ooh, I okay. Oh, there it does go. look good, doesn't it? Yeah, it looks. Does oh, this mean that we're ahead of trends, boys? That makes a change, doesn't it? Setting those <laughs> well, trends. Inadvertently landed on something that actually might help us boost our listeners yeah. by being able to link it into actually things that are happening rather than just going, oh, we're just going to do that and missing yeah. out on potential opportunities. <laughs> <laughs> it's like we actually planned it for once. Wow. Right. Yeah. Well, so we just dive straight in then and see how yeah. this goes. 
because I mean, who done it? Yeah. Who has done this? Who knows? Who has done this? Well, yeah, that's the point. Let me just check. Nobody here has read this book, have they? I do not know who has done this. Good. I do I've not, not know even who's done this. like seen the mouse trap. I don't know any. Okay. Like, no, I definitely. Coming... I reckon I know less about this book and the world than any anything we've done before. Like I've got no. Brilliant. I don't yeah. really know that much about Poirot. I mean, even honest, so even the BBC pretty... three parties that I've seen, I still can't remember who the murderer is. Yeah, 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 so, yeah. You know? so yes, yeah. we're. I think we're good. I think we're Great. not going to ruin it. In the, we're in the all in a sufficient everyone. place of ignorance. That's right. That's where I live. Hey. <laughs> Sufficiently <laughs> ignorant. It's going to be on my grave. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go. The Mysterious Affair at Styles. Chapter One. I go to Styles. The intense interest aroused in the public by what was known at the time as the Styles case has now somewhat subsided. Nevertheless, in view of the worldwide notoriety which attended it, I have been asked, both by my friend Poirot and the family themselves, to write an account of the whole story. This, we trust, will effectually silence the sensational rumours which still persist. Oh, is this then mean that the narrator is, you know, Poirot has that like police constable who invites him in because you always have to have like a stupid official person to make the PI look better than they are. Do you know what I mean? Like, so Sherlock has Watson as his like foil to make him look more brilliant. Oh, no, because Sherlock, Sherlock has Lestrade, who's like the actual police officer. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, him as well. But, because you know, because both like Sherlock and Poirot are just like independent citizens. They're not qualified yeah. to do anything, are they? So No, it's true. But do you know I mean, but like, they always have somebody who follows this person around or is with this person so that they look more brilliant and more kind of ahead of the curve than everybody else. By the way, it's written. It almost looks like it's written like as if the writer is a journalist. Oh, okay. Because I I just remember from the TV show, there's like a constable. Yeah, it makes it more personal because it's like, oh, well, you can definitely trust my account because I was there. But I'm not really going to tell you much about myself because we might not even learn about this. I don't know. It'd be interesting. We do get to like know the narrators or have like opinions. Yeah. Or are they going to be really matter of fact? Or they go, oh, I didn't like this. Or hmm. It makes it seem more historical as well when you have that first person kind of past account of like, oh, this is mm. what happened to me. It makes it sound like, oh, this this was this is true rather than I do enjoy a first up. person narrative. Yeah, yeah, it's nice. I will therefore briefly set down the circumstances which led to my being connected with the affair. I had been invalided home from the front, and after spending some months in a rather depressing convalescent home, was given a month's sick leave. Having no near relations or friends, I was trying to make up my mind what to do when I ran across John Cavendish. I had seen very little of him for some years. Indeed, I had never known him particularly well. He was a good 15 years my senior, for one thing, though he hardly looked his 45 years. As a boy, though, I had often stayed at Stiles, his mother's place in Essex. We had a good yarn about old times, and it ended in his inviting me down to Styles to spend my leave there. So this guy's basically been injured on the front line of the war, yeah, and they've given war. him a month off. 
I mean, yeah. I hope he hasn't like been shot in the leg or something because that does not seem like enough time to recover from something like that. No, in both <laughs> mental and physical. Exactly. <laughs> like a month, really? Was that how harsh it was? Wow. Well, this okay. is before they knew what uh, PTSD, PTSD and all those things was. was. Yeah. yeah, no, it's true. Very true. Have we got a character voice coming up? We've got a character voice, and I'm just trying to make sure I know who it is. Yes, it is. it's John Cavendish. This is the character whose 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 mum's house we seem to be at. Well, could we make him? Well, they're in like, Essex. They, yeah, it's Essex. But I was also going to say, like, he's obviously someone who's like a landowner and quite plummy. So I was like, we either go for like, all right, Gavla, kind of vibes, because it's Essex, or we go for like a Hugh Laurie, Blackadder goes forth, kind of. Oh, I say, kind of like plummy tally hell kind of, be lots of although people. to be fair there are going to be a lot of posh people so if we've been given the detail of someone being from essex then maybe we should run with that <laughs> yeah so proper, proper like towie well i'm thinking like um what's his name james corden in in gavin and stacy yeah. sure yeah i mean we can go with that absolutely cool. the mater will be delighted to see you again after all those years he added your mother keeps well i asked Oh, yeah, I suppose you know that she's married again. I'm afraid I showed my surprise rather plainly. Mrs. Cavendish, who had married John's father when he was a widower with two sons, had been a handsome woman of middle age, as I remembered her. She certainly could not be a day less than 70 now. I recalled her as an energetic, autocratic personality, somewhat inclined to charitable and social notoriety with a fondness for opening bazaars and playing the Lady Bountiful. She was a most generous woman and possessed a considerable fortune of her own. Their country place, Styles Court, had been purchased by Mr Cavendish early in their married life. He'd been completely under his wife's ascendancy, so much so that, on dying, he left the place to her for her lifetime, as well as the larger part of his income an arrangement that was distinctly unfair to his two sons. Their stepmother, however, had always been most generous to them. Indeed, they were so young at the time of their father's remarriage that they always thought of her as their own mother. Lawrence, the younger, had been a delicate youth. He had qualified as a doctor, but early relinquished the profession of medicine and lived at home while pursuing literary ambitions, though his verses never had any marked success. John practised for some time as a barrister, but had finally settled down to the more congenial life of a country squire. He had married two years ago and had taken his wife to live at Stiles, though I entertained a shrewd suspicion that he would have preferred his mother to increase his allowance, which would have enabled him to have a home of his own. Mrs Cavendish, however, was a lady who liked to make her own plans and expected other people to fall in with them, and in this case she certainly had the whip hand, namely the purse strings. I do enjoy the fact that, like, basically what Agatha Christie is saying here is that this family is just a family of bums ever since the dad left them all money. <laughs> they were giving up their jobs and just like, oh, just doss around. Yeah. 
it just shows like a completely different time where like the landed gentry and, and stuff and it's like there's so many things that are like oh well i worked hard for what i've i've got and all the rest of it and it's like mm, yeah that's the case in some cases but there's a lot of people out there who mummy and daddy were rich and they've got trust funds and they can just go oh be a doctor now nah, just be a writer and just sit at home and look at my desk and not actually publish anything or oh i'm just going to become a country squire which i looked up and it says a squire is a british term for a country land landowner or gentleman so my job is owning land like that's not a job mm. like <laughs> you <laughs> sometimes have to go around and see people yeah i think he mostly just it's takes long lunches yeah no so it's like how do you earn an income and it's like you obviously just have money making money somewhere and so that's why you can just bum around and just walk mm. around hedgerows all day and that's, that's it he's basically he's basically toad of toad hall Hmm. I mean, it, he's obviously setting up. Okay, so we've got immediately what's coming to mind is there's a, an inheritance up for grabs here or some mm-hmm. kind of, you know, land wealth or family wealth that's involved with this family. So I feel like more than anything, what this is just trying to build is, is a motivation for this murder that's going to happen. That's quite commonplace. Yeah, yes. you're right. I mean, money, right. normally money or love, like affairs or things like that are normally the main motivations Mm. maybe revenge as well i think murder on the orient express is a revenge mission um but i have a feeling that murder on the dance floor (laughs) someone killed sophie ellis bexter's groove yeah absolutely (laughs) so it was revenge (laughs) yes yeah there wasn't a large inheritance and I, i feel like she had a job (laughs) <laughs> and uh, yeah I, mean, I don't know how many people died when she burned that goddamn house right down i mean just... <laughs> <laughs> we break that song down <laughs> it's been i'm gonna run the floor i've got a molotov cocktail <laughs> hey, hey, hey. <laughs> Sophie! <laughs> her friends are just burning alive <laughs> <laughs> And she's just like sashaying in the corner. Like. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. We should have done that. Who has done this? Yeah. <laughs> John noticed my surprise at the news of his mother's remarriage and smiled rather ruefully. Rotten little bounder too, he said savagely. I can tell you, Hastings, it's making life jolly difficult for us. As for Evie, you remember Evie? No. Oh, I, I suppose she was after your time. Yeah, she she's a mater's factotum, companion, jack of all trades. Uh, a great sport, old Evie. Not precisely young and beautiful, but as game as they make them. As game as they make them. <laughs> as game as they make them. Is that like lad talk for like, oh yeah, she's not like great but she's she's up for it <laughs> like is that basically yeah. what he just said for again you were going to say oh this fellow he turned up from nowhere on the pretext of being a second cousin or something of evie so she didn't seem particularly keen to acknowledge the relationship the fellow is an absolute outsider anyone can see that he's got a great black beard and wears patent leather boots in all weathers but the mate cottoned on to him at once and took him on as secretary. You know how she's always running hundred societies. I nodded. Well, of course, the war has turned the hundreds into thousands. 
No doubt the fellow is very useful to her, but you could have knocked us all down with a feather when three months ago she suddenly announced that she and Alfred were engaged. The fellow must be at least 20 years younger than she is. It's simply barefaced fortune hunting. But there you are. She is her own mistress and she's married him. So the mum has married a younger man. A younger man called Alfred. Right, okay. Alfred yep. did it. <laughs> <laughs> Just call it now and I won't be moved. Even yeah. if he doesn't even if he's only in the first chapter. No. Yeah. No. <laughs> I shall not be moved. Uh, we also found out that our that our name, our reader's name is Hastings. Just to just right, to keep okay. the reader up to cool. date there. Good, Hastings good to, yeah. is what I got called. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Brilliant. You know, just picking up the clues. It's mm. a very important skill. Ah, already. <laughs> I'm going to uh-huh. be like that guy in um, sunny in Philadelphia with like the red string and just going like, it's a conspiracy <laughs> Like by the end of it. We'll get, get the yarn <laughs> out and the, and the yeah. drawing pin. <laughs> Any little bit of behaviour. And then, yeah. and he went to the shop. Guilty! <laughs> <laughs> hey, if he, had, he was at the shop at 10. He hasn't got an alibi. No, yeah. <laughs> Overanalyzing everything. Am I crazy yeah. or is there a connection? Yeah. It must be a difficult situation for you all. Difficult? It's damnable. Thus it came about that three days later, I descended from the train at Stiles St. Mary, an absurd little station, with no apparent reason for existence, perched up in the midst of green fields and country lanes. John Cavendish was waiting on the platform and piloted me out to the car. Got a drop or two of petrol still, you see? he remarked, mainly owing to the mater's activities. The village of Stiles St. Mary's was situated about two miles from the little station, and Stiles Court lay a mile the other side of it. It was a still warm day in early July. As one looked over the flat Essex country, lying so green and peaceful under the afternoon sun, it seemed almost impossible to believe that not so very far away, a great war was running its appointed course. I felt I had suddenly strayed into another world. As we turned into the lodge gates, John said, I'm afraid you'll find it very quiet down here, Hastings. My dear fellow, that's just what I want. Oh, it's pleasant enough if you want to lead the idle life. I drill with the volunteers twice a week and lend a hand to the farms. My wife works regularly on the land she's up at five every morning to milk and keeps it uh, steadily till lunch times it's a jolly good life taking it all round if it weren't for that fellow alfred inglethorpe he checked the car suddenly and glanced at his watch i wonder if we've time to pick up cynthia nah she'll have started from the hospital by now cynthia that's not your wife no cynthia is the protege of my mother's the daughter of an old schoolfellow of hers who married a rascally solicitor cynthia did it (laughs) (laughs) nobody's dead yet matt (laughs) what's that um film that tom cruise did where they like have precogs who work out who killed someone they stop the murder from happening in the oh, first minority place. report yeah I'm, I'm doing that i'm like Cynthia arrest her now arrest her now before she does anything do it <laughs> <laughs> he became a cropper and the girl was left an orphan and penniless my mother came to the rescue and cynthia has been with us nearly two years now 
She works in the Red Cross Hospital in Tadminster, seven miles away. As he spoke the last words, we drew up in front of the fine old house. A lady in a stout tweed skirt, who was bending over a flower bed, straightened herself at our approach. Hello, Evie. Here's our wounded hero, Mr. Hastings, Miss Howard. Miss Howard shook hands with a hearty, almost painful grip. I had an impression of very blue eyes in a sunburnt face. She was a pleasant-looking woman of about 40, with a deep voice, almost manly in its stentorian tones, and had a large, sensible, square body with feet to match, these last encased in good, thick boots. Her conversation, I soon found, was couched in the telegraphic style. And then she speaks, I think. Can you make it as low as you can? Yeah, I was going to say, like, can we make it like Barry White? <laughs> it's not, it's not like you, you take one little detail and you blow it out. Agatha of Christie yeah. has told us how to do it. I'm yes. sorry, our hands Sounds are tied. like a man. Okay, yeah. Yep. <laughs> so like as low as I can go in British, yeah? Yeah. 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 Like, oh, hello, I'm darling. Okay. <laughs> well, and Londony or... Uh, no, I mean, uh, you could if you wanted to be countryside or Essex. Yeah, but... and she works outside, so whatever you think. Fine. Weeds grow like house <laughs> of fire. Can't keep even with them. She'll press you in. Better be careful. I'm sure I shall be only too delighted to make myself useful, I responded. Don't say it never does. Wish you hadn't later. You're a cynic, Evie said John, laughing. Where's tea today, inside or out? Out. Too fine a day to be cooped up in the house. <laughs> Come on then, you've done enough gardening for today. The labourer is worthy of his hire, you know. Come and be refreshed. Well, said Miss Howard, drawing off her gardening gloves, I'm inclined to agree with you. <laughs> She led the way round the house to where tea was spread under the shade of a large sycamore. A figure rose from one of the basket chairs and came a few steps to meet us. My wife, Hastings, said John. I shall never forget my first sight of Mary Cavendish. Her tall, slender form outlined against the bright light, the vivid sense of slumbering fire that seemed to find expression only in those wonderful, tawny eyes of hers. Remarkable eyes, different from any other woman's that I have ever known. The intense power of stillness she possessed, which nevertheless conveyed the impression of a wild, untamed spirit in an inquisitively civilised body. All these things are burnt into my memory. I shall never forget them. She greeted me with a few words of pleasant welcome in a low, clear voice, and I sank into a basket chair, feeling distinctly glad that I had accepted John's invitation. Mrs Cavendish gave me some tea, and her few quiet remarks heightened my first impression of her as a thoroughly fascinating woman. An appreciative listener is always stimulating, and I described in a humorous manner certain incidents of my convalescent home, in a way which, I flatter myself, greatly amused my hostess. 
John, of course, good fellow though he is, could hardly be called a brilliant conversationalist. At that moment, a well-remembered voice floated through the open French window near at hand. And then somebody's voice. Got to try and figure out. Yeah, read ahead. Yeah. Over here, the murderer said. Hang on a minute. Does this gun work? The murderer said. <laughs> oh shoot! There's red on me. Yeah. <laughs> okay, oh, I must I'll be off. I got to practice my stabbing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, if I go killing again, <laughs> is that Mick and Morty? Is, uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's Mrs. Inglethorpe. So this is um the the John's stepmum. Who's just ma- ma- remarried Alfred? It's that's that woman, the the, right, uh, the okay. owner of the house, the rich woman. Yeah. So Miss Miss Cavendish, who's Miss Cavendish? Is this John's wife? Yeah. So you've got Mary Cavendish is John's wife. Evie seems to be the gardener. Mm-hmm. You've got Cynthia, who we haven't met yet. No. And then we've got Alfred, who we haven't met yet. And then we've got Alfred's new Alfred's wife, who's the owner of the the proprietor. There's a lot of characters in the first first um, chapter i know i'm it? trying to keep up well it's yeah i told you, you get, get the red thread out i think it's because she's obviously trying to introduce you have to introduce everybody because these are the people Otherwise, who are going to yeah. be the suspects because it's it. like mm. you can't have the murder happen and then introduce everybody because then you're going to be like well who's this guy yeah that's it so what does so, mrs inglethorpe the owner of the house and the stepmother of john and lawrence sound like and whittacombe <laughs> Is that, is that kind of uh, in the trees oh, of May? Oh, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah. A little bit, a little bit <laughs> thrilling. Oh, oh, Yes. Warbling partridge woman. Lovely, lovely. Yes. Yeah. The EU. <laughs> you know, <that> <laughs> I'll never forget. I'll never forget her being like twirled around. Like I've never watched Strictly. But oh, I remember God. someone going, you've got to watch this duet. And she's literally like a dead weight with like both <laughs> her arm, like, an arm and a leg out and just being twirled <laughs> around. And it was like, Amazing. it was the most enjoyable but also i'm like what is life <laughs> just a man like swinging a sack of potatoes around the dance floor. <laughs> yeah <laughs> didn't she stay in for a remarkably long time as well she had to because the british love terrible like yeah. if you're terrible you get really far in england if you're terrible and american you don't get very far because americans go this is just rubbish but yeah. British people love rubbish. Yeah. <laughs> we celebrate rubbish. <laughs> <laughs> then you'll write to the princess off the tea, Alfred. I'll write to Lady Tadminster for the second day myself. Or shall we wait until we hear from the princess? In case of a refusal, Lady Tasminster might open it the first day and Mrs. Crosby the second. <laughs> Then there's the Duchess about the school fate. There was the murmur of a man's voice, and then Mrs. Inglethorpe's rose in reply. Well, yes, certainly. After tea will do quite well. You are so thoughtful, Alfred, dear. <laughs> oh, Alfred's there. Okay. He did it. <laughs> <laughs> That's who he's talking to inside, but apparently yeah. you can't hear him much. Yeah. Basically, Matt's saying everyone. So then at the end, you go, called it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> when I said that, yeah, the scatter go back and edit it. Where like, I just <laughs> Matt's just gonna edit yeah. it together so it Whoa, seems like so, it. yeah. <laughs> the French window swung open a little wider, and a handsome white-haired lady with a somewhat masterful cast of features stepped out of it 
onto the lawn. A man followed her, a suggestion of deference in his manner. Mrs. Inglethorpe greeted me with effusion. Why, if it isn't too delightful to see you again, Mr. Hastings, after all these years. <laughs> Alfred, darling, Mr. Hastings, my husband. I looked with some curiosity at Alfred, darling. He certainly struck a rather alien note. I did not wonder at John objecting to his beard. It was one of the longest and blackest I have ever seen. He wore gold-rimmed pince-nez and had a curious impassivity of feature. It struck me that he might look natural on a stage, but was strangely out of place in real life. His voice was rather deep and unctuous. He placed a wooden hand in mine and said, A wooden hand? Sorry, a wooden hand. What? He's basically <laughs> a pirate. He's got a wooden yeah, hand. He's in, the wrong, he's in the wrong story. He's like, oh, yeah. oops, lady. Captain Hook. This is Captain Hook's origin story. He murders an old lady and then has to run away to Neverland. Yeah. Um, so uh, so he's, he's, he's offering his wooden hand and then he speaks. So what does he sound like? Pirate. Captain Easy. Hook. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Pirate. <laughs> Cox. Can I can I just do my can I can I do my go-to pirate voice or do you want to revive? No, no uh, do the go-to because yeah, uh, Jamaican Captain Hook was specific to. It was Peter very. Pan. You had yeah. to be there. If you if it you just, weren't there, listeners, go back and listen to yes. Peter Pan. <laughs> he placed a wooden hand in mine and said, "This is a pleasure, Mister Hastings." He's <laughs> <laughs> like, "Why is there a pirate here?" <laughs> <laughs> And with that, Agatha Christie turned in her grave. Yeah. <laughs> then, turning to his wife, Emily, dearest, I think that cushion is a little damp. She beamed fondly on him as he substituted another with every demonstration of the tenderest care. Strange infatuation of an otherwise sensible woman. With the presence of Mr. Inglethorpe, a sense of constraint and veiled hostility seemed to settle down upon the company. Miss Howard, in particular, took no pains to conceal her feelings. Mrs. Inglethorpe, however, seemed to notice <laughs> nothing unusual. I'm trying to work out, how do you take no pains to conceal? Is she just going like this at him? <laughs> like, <laughs> do you know what I mean? No, I just like the fact she just sticks her tongue out at everyone like a six-year-old. Yeah, like what is she doing towards him that like is just makes it really obvious that she hates him? Like, She's like really, just really obviously like throwing cream cakes at his face. Yeah. <laughs> Farting in his general direction. <laughs> oh dear. Mrs. Inglethorpe, however, seemed to notice nothing unusual. Her volubility, which I remembered of old, had lost nothing in the intervening years, and she poured out a steady flood of conversation, mainly on the subject of, of the forthcoming bazaar, which she was organising, and which was to take place shortly. Occasionally, she referred to her husband over a question of dates or days, his watchful and attentive manner never varied. From the very first, I took a firm and rooted dislike to him, and I flatter myself that my first judgments are usually fairly shrewd. 
Presently, Mrs. Inglethorpe turned to give some instructions about letters to Evelyn Howard, and her husband addressed me in his painstaking voice. His soldiering, your regular profession, Mr. Hastings. <laughs> uh, no, before the war, I was in Lloyd's. And will you ever return there after it is over? <laughs> uh, perhaps either that or a fresh start altogether. Is that Lloyd's Bank? <laughs> I guess so. I'm guessing it's it Lloyd's. Is. Lloyd's. It's like a bank Lloyd's teller London. or something. Lloyd's, Lloyd's insur London. insurance market. Oh, oh is it? okay. It, yeah, it's um, it's on Leadenhall Street. Mm. I finally get to do some London stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know I'm all of that. Nothing more terrifying than an insurance man running towards you to kill you in a war. <laughs> like, yeah, <laughs> that's true. <laughs> I hope you have life insurance. Ba, 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 ba. Yeah, life insurance during the war. Quite Do you need cover? Ba, 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 ba. <laughs> like, imagine that. As like, oh, I need a life insurance. Great. Uh -huh. So, just for a quick question: What are you up to? Uh, I'm about to participate in the First World War. Right. Uh, okay. <laughs> Slightly risky. Yeah. Uh, so it is at this point that uh, Mary Cavendish is going to speak for the first time. So this is this woman with whom Salt Hastings tree. is rather you know, enamoured. Yeah. Everything, everything, everything has got a sultry tone of being yeah. a little sexy. Breathy, kind of like everything's like I'm making love to you with my words. Mm. So give us all the sex, Josh. All the sex. <laughs> Just take that as a soundbite, please. This is when you realise <laughs> how unsexy I am. <laughs> oh, you're wearing a lovely knit jumper. That's yeah, exactly. I can take it off if you like. <laughs> <laughs> the podcast changes a completely different direction. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, uh, it is a lazy book club's going to launch an, an, only, an OnlyFans. Only yes. <laughs> Welcome to money. the Lazy Naked Book Club. <laughs> uh, 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 uh. See your favourite book, Nerds Naked. There we go. <laughs> Mrs. Cavendish leant forward. What would you really choose as a profession <laughs> if you could just consult your inclination? It's a yes from me. Thanks. Uh, well, that depends. No secret hobby, she asked. <laughs> Tell me, you're drawn to something. Everyone is. Usually something <laughs> absurd. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm, I, I feel like I'm... Your, you're I feel playing like I'm, with your wire. <laughs> I am. I can't... I feel like I'm embracing my inner Nigella. You know, sort of yes. making a dirty little pudding at the middle of the night. <laughs> a dirty yeah. pudding. <laughs> why, yeah, why is Nigella Lawson not the size of a bus? She has a... <laughs> no. <every day. laughs> I know. Oh, you'll laugh at me. She smiled. Perhaps. Well, I've I've always had a secret hankering to be a detective. Oh, the real thing. Scotland Yard or Sherlock Holmes? Oh, Sherlock Holmes, by all means. But really, uh, seriously, I'm I'm awfully drawn to it. I, I came across a man in Belgium once, a very famous detective, and he quite inflamed me. He was a marvellous little fellow. He used to say that all good detective work was a mere matter of method. My system is based on this, though, of course, I have progressed rather further. He was a funny little man, a great dandy, but wonderfully clever. Like a good detective story myself. 
remarked Miss Howell. <laughs> about her. As she crushed an eclair in her hand. <laughs> <laughs> and then smeared it unflinchingly on his face. She just got some loose, like, bramble and just ate them. All <laughs> <laughs> just eating roots. <laughs> yeah. Lots of nonsense written, though. Criminal discovered in last chapter. Everyone dumbfounded. Real crime. You'd know at once. Well, there have been a great number of undiscovered crimes, I argued. Don't mean the police, but the people that are right in it. The family. You couldn't really <laughs> hoodwink them. They'd know. Well, then, I said, much amused, you think that if you were mixed up in a crime, say a murder, you'd be able to spot the murderer right off? Of course I should. Mightn't be able to prove it to a pack of lawyers, but I'm certain I'd know. I'd feel it in my fingertips if he came near me. This is the pride coming before the fall, isn't it? This is She's what they're setting up. No, she ain't going to have a clue. Well, it might be a she, I suggested. Might, but murder's a violent crime. Associate it more with a man. Not, not in a case of poisoning, Mrs Cavendish's clear voice startled me. Dr. Bowerstein was saying yesterday that, owing to the general ignorance of the more uncommon poisons among the medical profession, there were probably countless cases of poisoning quite unsuspected. What, Mary, what a gruesome conversation! <laughs> cried Mrs. Inglethorpe. It makes me feel as if a ghost were walking over my grave. Oh, oh, there's Cynthia. <laughs> a young girl in a VAD uniform ran lightly across the lawn. Why, Cynthia, you're late today. This is Mr. Hastings, Miss Murdoch. Cynthia Murdoch was a fresh-looking young creature, full of life and vigour. She tossed off her little VAD cap, and I admired the great loose waves of her auburn hair and the smallness and whiteness of the hand she held out to claim her tea. With dark eyes and eyelashes, she would have been a beauty. Is that suggesting that she's blonde and ugly? I don't know. Yeah, well, no, it says she's got brunette hair, but she's saying with, maybe oh, she's got blue eyes and I don't know. I love the Britishness, by the way. It's like she's just arrived and literally reaches out and there's a cup of tea in her hands. Yeah, immediately. immediately. <laughs> so good. She should have gotten out the tea car with one. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. literally, pinky out, like saucer. Yeah. Sorry, I'm late. I came prepared. <laughs> she flung herself down on the ground beside John as I handed her a plate of sandwiches and she smiled up at me. And then I think she speaks. Oh, Cynthia. So Cynthia says she's a Murdoch. girl, so she's quite young. Um, we, yeah, I'm just trying to think of like something quite youthful and bouncy. and Yeah, I could go for a youthful, bouncy sort of Yorkshire just, lass, just if you like. Every, yeah. ev 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 everything's like, yes, yeah, great, good, cool, cool. Yeah, amazing, fantastic. Yeah, 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 yeah. exactly. Everything's really exciting. Uh, great. And she sort of bounces up and down and, and jiggles. Yeah, a little. Just, yeah. <laughs> everyone's, like, everyone's like, okay, calm, calm down. Like an enthusiastic Baywatch cast <laughs> member. Okay, great. <laughs> yes. Sit down here on the grass, do it's ever so much nicer. <laughs> I like Cynthia. 
Oh yeah, she's nice. I hope she did it. <laughs> <laughs> She'd be a lovely prison mate to have, wouldn't she? She'd be like, yeah. oh, you have the top bunk. <laughs> <laughs> I drop down obediently. You work at Tadminster, don't you, Miss Murdoch? She nodded. For my sins. Do you... Oh, no. Do they bully you then? I asked, smiling. I should like to see them, cried Cynthia with dignity. I have a cousin who's nursing, I remarked, and she's terrified of sisters. Oh, I don't wonder. Sisters are, you know, Mr. Hastings, they simply are. You have no idea. But I'm not a nurse, thank heaven. I work in the dispensary. How many people do you poison? I asked, smiling. <laughs> Cynthia smiled too. Oh, hundreds, she said. <laughs> Cynthia, called Mrs. Inglethorpe, do you think you could write a few notes for me? Certainly, Aunt Emily. She jumped up promptly, and something in her manner reminded me that her position was a dependent one, and that Mrs. Inglethorpe, kind as she might be in the main, did not allow her to forget it. My hostess turned to me. John will show you to your room. Supper is at half past seven. We have given up late dinner for some time now. Lady Tadminster, our member's wife, she was the late Lord Abbotsbury's daughter, does the same. She agrees with me that one must set an example of economy. We are quite a war household. Nothing is wasted here. Every scrap of waste paper even is saved and sent away in sacks. I expressed my appreciation, and John took me into the house and up the broad staircase, which forked right and left halfway to different wings of the building. My room was in the left wing and looked out over the park. John left me, and a few minutes later I saw him from my window, walking slowly across the grass, arm in arm with Cynthia Murdoch. I heard Mrs Inglethorpe call, Cynthia! impatiently, and the girls started and ran back to the house. In the same moment, a man stepped out from the shadow of a tree and walked slowly in the same direction. He looked about forty, very dark, with a melancholy, clean-shaven face. Some violent emotions seemed to be mastering him. He looked up at my window as he passed, and I recognised him, though he had changed much in the fifteen years that had elapsed since we last met. It was John's younger brother, Lawrence Cavendish. I wondered what it was that had brought that singular expression to his face. Then I dismissed him from my mind and returned to the contemplation of my own affairs. The evening passed pleasantly enough, and I dreamed that night of that enigmatical woman, Mary Cavendish. The next morning dawned bright and sunny, and I was full of the anticipation of a delightful visit. I did not see Mrs Cavendish until lunchtime, when she volunteered to take me for a walk, and we spent a charming afternoon roaming in the woods, returning to the house about five. He's got a thing for her, isn't he? He definitely fancies Mr. Narrator Mr. fancies her so badly. Mary Nigella <laughs> it's like, it's Cavendish. Mate's, yeah, it's your mate's, his mate's wife as well, isn't it? Mm. Cheeky. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. 
As we entered the large hall, John beckoned us both into the smoking room. I saw at once by his face that something disturbing had occurred. We followed him in, and he shut the door after us. Look here, Mary, there's a deuce of a mess. Evie's had a row with Alfred Inglethorpe, and she's off. Evie? Off? John nodded gloomily. Yes, and you see she went to the mater, and... Oh, here's Evie herself. Miss Howard entered. Her lips were set grimly together, and she carried a small suitcase. She looked excited and determined, and slightly on the defensive. At any rate, she burst out, I've spoken my mind. My dear Evelyn, cried Mrs Cavendish, this can't be true. Miss Howard nodded grimly. True enough. Afraid I said some things to Emily she won't forget or forgive in a hurry. Don't mind if they've only sunk in a bit. Probably water off a duck's back, though. I said right out, you're an old woman, Emily, and there's no fool like an old fool. Man's <laughs> 20 years younger than you, and don't you fool yourself as to what he married you for. Money. Emily I mean, it's a bit late, isn't it? She's already married him. Like, this conversation should have been happening before because even if she divorces him now or anything, like, he can still walk away with half of her stuff unless they have a prenup. It's like, this isn't going to help her in any way. No, so She was going to say something. She should have said it earlier. Yeah, exactly. 20 years. Mm. <laughs> well, don't let him have too much of it. Farmer Rakes has got a very pretty young wife. Just ask your Alfred how much time he spends over there. She was very angry, natural. I went on. I'm going to warn you whether you like it or not. That man would as soon murder you in your bed as look at you. He's a bad lot. You can say what you like to me, but remember what I told you. He's a bad lot. What did she say? Miss Howard made an extremely expressive grimace. Oh, I imagine it would look like this. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was thinking of Ricky Gervais as a genie in extras. Oh, yeah. He goes, he's, like, he's, he's, like, he's constipated. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Darling Alfred, dearest Alfred, wicked calumnies, wicked lies, wicked woman to accuse her dear husband. The sooner I left her house, the better. So I'm off. But not now. This minute. For a moment, we sat and stared at her. Finally, John Cavendish, finding his persuasions of no avail, went off and looked up the trains. His wife followed him, murmuring something about persuading Mrs Inglethorpe to think better of it. As she left the room, Miss Howard's face changed. She leant towards me eagerly. Mr Hastings, you're honest. Can I trust ya? I was a little startled. She laid her hand on my arm and sank her voice to a whisper. Look after her, Mr. Hastings. <laughs> Poor Emily. There are a lot of sharks, all of them. Oh, I know what I'm talking about. There isn't one of them that's not hard up and trying to get money out of her. I've protected her as much as I could. Now I'm out of the way. They'll impose upon her. Of course, Miss Howard, I said. I'll do everything I can. 
but I'm sure you're excited and overwrought. She interrupted me by slowly shaking her forefinger. Young man, trust me. I've lived in the world rather longer than you have. All I ask you is to keep your eyes open. You'll see what I mean. You would never know they're setting up a murder mystery here, would you? <laughs> no, exactly. It's it's going like, you got look it, at yeah. everyone. Ooh, Everyone's like... a suspect. Everyone has motive. But imagine how bad she's like, I reckon she'll be like halfway on the train and then she's like going to find out that someone's been murdered. She's like, what? As soon as I left? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the throb of the motor came through the open window and Miss Howard rose and moved to the door. John's voice sounded outside. With her hand on the handle, she turned her head over her shoulder and beckoned me. Above all, Mr. Hastings, watch that devil, her husband. There was no time for more. Miss Howard was swallowed up in an eager chorus of protests and goodbyes. The Inglethorpes did not appear. As the motor drove away, Mrs. Cavendish suddenly detached herself from the group and moved across the drive to the lawn to meet a tall, bearded man who had been evidently making for the house. The colour rose in her cheeks, and she held out her hand to him. "'Who's that?' I asked sharply, for instinctively I distrusted the man. "'That's Dr. Bowerstein,' said John shortly. "'And who is Dr. Bowerstein?' "'He's staying in a village doing a rest cure after a bad nervous breakdown.' He's a London specialist, very clever man. One of the greatest living experts on poisons, I believe. I mean, they may as well be like, this is Jim. He's an expert in chainsaws. This is Robert. <laughs> he loves machine guns. Do you know what I mean? It's like it's just going down the line. There's actually someone building a really great big LED finger just pointing down at yeah. the manor going <laughs> Judith used to be a ninja oh <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> what are all these booby traps in the house oh Mr Inglethorpe he, he makes booby traps as a hobby yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's so stupid and he's a great friend of Mary's put in Cynthia the irrepressible John Cavendish frowned and changed the subject Come for a stroll, Hastings. This has been the most rotten business. She's always had a rough tongue, but there's no stoucher friend in England than Evelyn Howard. He took the path through the plantation, and we walked down to the village through the woods, which bordered one side of the estate. As we passed through one of the gates on our way home again, a young woman of gypsy type coming in the opposite direction bowed and smiled. That's a pretty girl, I remarked appreciatively. John's face hardened. That is Mrs. Rakes. The one that Miss Howard... Exactly, said John, with a rather unnecessary abruptness. I thought of the white-haired old lady in the big house and that vivid, wicked little face that had just smiled into ours, and a vague chill of foreboding crept over me. I brushed it aside. Styles is really a glorious old place, I said to John. He nodded rather gloomily. Yeah, it's a fine property. You'll be mine someday. Should be mine now, by rights, if my father had only made a decent will. And then I shouldn't be so damned hard up as I am now. 
hard up, are you? Oh, my dear, Hastings, I don't mind telling you that I'm at my wit's end for money. Couldn't your brother help you? Lawrence? He's gone through every penny he ever had, publishing rotten verses in fancy bindings. <laughs> no, we're an impecunious lot. My mother's always been awfully good to us, I must say. That is up to now, since her marriage, of course. He broke off, frowning. For the first time, I felt that, with Evelyn Howard, something indefinable had gone from the atmosphere. Her presence had spelt security. Now that security was removed, and the air seemed rife with suspicion. The sinister face of Dr. Bowerstein recurred to me unpleasantly. A vague suspicion of everyone and everything filled my mind. Just for a moment... I had a premonition of approaching evil. End of chapter. I, I think I've done quite well because my mind does wander because I have the uh, concentration of a three-year-old. But literally, <laughs> just, I was having to literally just go back and remember all the characters that had come. Because even, yes. even after the main ones that were in the house and the ones we met uh, having cups of tea, we had um, we had the brother and the doctor as well. Um, and this and this uh, woman who walked past, I think she's like the farmer's wife or someone, the the, the gypsy, gypsy woman. Lady, yeah. Oh yes. So um, you got you got Cynthia, the young perky one, Starlet, Miss Cavendish, Mister Cavendish, the Essex hard up person, Lawrence, the doctor who's now a broke author, Alfred who's married the rich lady. We're assuming the rich lady's the one that's going to die. But who knows? It uh, might not be. Yeah. It, it could be Alfred. That would be the yeah. logical guess, wouldn't it? Yeah. But, yeah. Uh, and then obviously we've got this poison expert doctor who's just turned up and is meeting Mrs. Cavendish. So I think she's obviously trying to like, I have, do we have two guesses each? Okay. One, the murder method. Two, oh, okay. who you think the murderer is. Who wants to kick off? And we'll end oh. there because we don't want to go into any analysis or anything because we no. don't want to give away. So this one's not going to be analysis at the end of the episode. It's always going to be like Cluedo. It's going to be like the person, the weapon, the room. <laughs> and I think, so, I think sometimes because I think there's probably a lot more plot in these, we'll probably actually have to, like we've done now, just almost just summarise it in a way. It I mean, that's, yeah. that's different to what we've had to do because I think previous books have, I mean, a lot of the books have been fair, a fairly straight narrative. Yeah. And there's only one like strands you know what i mean um and it's the first time there's so many different characters and different stories going on so i think we really really help okay. yeah. yeah well i think the main thing to kind of flag up is the fact that this gardener lady seemed to look out for the rich lady and yeah she's obviously now had a breakup with her going look you're being an idiot and i can't yeah. sit by and watch you be an idiot anymore so i'm i'm off and that support's and so gone Yes, mm. so this vacuum that she's this power vacuum of like protecting this lady has disappeared, and now this lady has no one watching her back anymore. The pool so is going to hit like, hand. Yes, so that's obviously the main impetus or the main spark for this kind of murder that's probably going to happen in the next yeah. chapter. Yeah, and even even now, we haven't even sort of spoken to a couple of the characters, but even even from the, those that we've met, like everyone potentially could have a motive currently, couldn't they? Well, Doctor Lawrence seems to be walking around in a mood for some reason. When we yeah, haven't spoken right, to him, right so we don't know why him. yet. Mardi. I don't. Yeah, I don't know why Cynthia would want one. Uh, I suppose Cynthia 
it says like, like she's an independent woman, but she's being treated like she's a guest in the house or whatever, or, or being, I can't remember what the line was now, but it was like uh, Cynthia was being sort of made to, to help out with stuff, even though she clearly wanted to be independent. So maybe that was yeah. a thing. I, I wouldn't say that her motive is as clear as anybody else's. Obviously, the two Cavendishes technically, well, this is dependent on prenup and will. Obviously, they would inherit if the lady died. If they can, in, if they can pin it on Alfred as well, then they'd definitely inherit. Alfred, maybe if she's now adapted the will to leave everything to him, would inherit. Lawrence... Yeah. Again, it's like if she died and he could pin it on someone else and they went to jail, then he would inherit. Do you know what I mean? So it's like trying to work out who's got the motivation. I'm intrigued that Mary was getting a little bit flirty flirty with the doctor when he turned up. Mm. Because maybe there's a sense of like, if they've teamed up, he's got the poison inside. Poison, yeah. That's what I'm saying about the method, because I think the method might kind of like illuminate who actually did it or it might be a red her- herring to kind of pin it on somebody a murder has to be a man it couldn't like that to yeah. me suggest it might I, be I a woman think, you know agatha christie one of her first novels would probably want to be progressive in a lot of ways and yeah would want to make murder a woman because it's going like well you know it's like it's a power it's a power move it's the ultimate power move is killing someone um yeah. and it's too obvious to make it the most um, high high stakes or the high, highest ranking <laughs> man in it. So let's, it's too let's obvious make to it. make it the pirate. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, he wouldn't have got away for it if it weren't for his best <laughs> It's a real Scooby Doo ending. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, I, I mean, yeah. I just said the Doctor has access to poison, but Cynthia has access to poisons as well because she works in the hospital. So, yeah, so I'm guessing this is really going to be our only opportunity to kind of guess how the murder happens because it's going to surely it's going to happen soon. You're probably going to find out the method in the next chapter and then it will just be about guessing who did it. So, yeah, I have a feeling because of the concentration on poison that it's probably going to be a poison. It's it's a woman's way of killing. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's typically said Not to violent. be the woman's way of killing. What they say, yeah. Um, so it definitely makes it a lot more equal in terms of who could have done it because it could be a man trying to pin it on a woman or it could be a woman trying to do it or whatever and obviously two women have already been shown to have access to those kinds of so you're guessing poison and who i'm guessing poison in the drawing room (laughs) and i reckon it's i'm gonna say lawrence Mm. because he's also a doctor maybe he might have access to the hospital and stuff behind under the radar because he used to be a medical practitioner and he's in a funk so i'm gonna go i'm gonna go that um david i'm not allowed to say any of the same just because so no you can you could mrs mrs cavendish more interesting uh, with a pair of garden shears because we said that um in the pantry i don't know it's getting oh, some okay. getting tins lovely and i i think i think the murder's gonna happen um out in the garden like under some kind of gazebo or little bandstand or something um and i think it i think i'm gonna just, I'm, I'm gonna say that all of this poison stuff is p- simply a red herring Conjecture. okay mm. and i think it's gonna be a gunshot <laughs> in the garden by an bullet. <laughs> by by our friendly our friendly northerner Cynthia Murdoch, oh. which sounds a bit like murder. Oh. 
Or... Right, it also sounds like Rupert Murdoch, and we know how evil he is. Yeah. So, well, exactly, yeah. yeah. Wouldn't put it past him. I'm going to kill you by not paying my taxes. You <laughs> 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 galah. Well, if you have any thoughts or opinions or suspicions with this chapter, you can message us on thelazybookclub at gmail.com. You can suggest who you think has done this <laughs> on Twitter and it's at Lazy Book Club Pod. Yes, good. Um, and by all means, you know, put, tag us in a picture on Instagram, but no spoilies, no spoilies mm-hmm. at Lazy Book Club Don't Pod. Say who's done this. Yeah. <laughs> I've actually just in the last two days signed us up for TikTok. We are officially Gen Zers boys. We are yeah, down. None of us know kids. how to use oh, it. But sure. Baseball well, cap back to front. <laughs> I'm learning. So if you want to see me crumping, I'm joking. There's no videos of me crumping on there. Does that mean we now have to do like a sea shanty? That's all I yes. know about TikTok. Or a sea shanty, or you have to be like my hips aching, my tattoo, my ten head to the right, and then you have to go like yeah, that yeah. Okay, great. It's a lot of lip syncing, I think. Yeah, there is. Yeah, we'll have to find some book related content that we can jump on. But yeah, yeah, at Lazy Book Club Pod on TikTok. If you are not a Patreon subscriber, then it might be worth checking us out there because we do put little clips of the video. So the full videos are only available to our Patreon subscribers. But if you want to see little clips here and there of the episodes that we've recorded so far, then you can see generally the quality of them and what we offer visually on TikTok. But they're only a minute long. So yeah but more importantly yes we are on patreon and you can subscribe there for the very low fee of three dollars a month you get an extra episode a month and you get to watch all of the videos of the call and you get to see josh in all of his glory when he's doing these amazing accents i don't know if it's that good to look at but i think mrs cavendish was worth the subscription was it playing with the wire yes definitely <laughs> yeah the the very sultry seductive looks at the webcam oh, were, were, I mean, were working hey if i if i can turn you two lads on then i think everybody else is <laughs> <wearing a tree. laughs> world's your oyster yeah, yeah i mean if we get enough patreon subscribers who knows only fans might be around the corner <laughs> <laughs> so next week we have chapter two where hopefully a murder will occur and we will at least get to see who was right in terms of the method and the room mm-hmm. and we will see you then bye Woo. bye